Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by a brand new documentary streaming on Amazon, iTunes, and at neargeniusfilms.com. And it's called Navy SEAL, Target of Opportunity. It's a really intriguing documentary about two Navy SEALs who end up being the last two people to see this woman alive after partying at a bar. And it was created by a former Navy chief who worked with Navy SEALs for most of his career. And he's since turned into an anarcho-capitalist documentary filmmaker. It's a really interesting story. It tells a lot about our judicial system and our military-industrial complex. I think you guys are going to like it, so go to neargeniusfilms.com or stream it on Amazon or iTunes. It's called Navy SEALs Target of Opportunity. Okay, let's get the show started. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. How's everybody doing today? It's Tuesday. Hope y'all had a nice weekend. Mine was pretty good. Not not too eventful. I did get out on my buddy's boat for some nice um, evening sunset boating on Saturday and then proceeded to have my fair share of libation. But other than that, not a whole lot going on with me. I was trying to find somewhere to go for the weekend, try to get away for a few days, and I, I was surprised. There was, like, nothing available within driving distance of Chicago on Airbnb, VRBO. It, there was just really nothing out there that looked like a place that you wanted to stay. I don't know if that means that other people had already booked everything or... All of these places have been taken off of the market. A lot of these Airbnb owners, the, the people that run these Airbnb things, I've, I think I've talked about this before on the show. Uh, they, you know, they leverage themselves up to their eyeballs to buy these vacation properties that they are going to rent out constantly on Airbnb. And with all this COVID nineteen craziness. I think they were really struggling, and I think maybe they've had to sell those properties or put those properties on the market so they're not renting them out. That could be at play here. I'm not exactly sure. I, I was just really surprised that there was nothing available anywhere, like Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, you know, Indiana, like the Indiana Dunes. I mean, there's not a whole lot of great options in terms of places to go anywhere, anyway in the Midwest, but there were at least places available in places that you didn't want to go, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I don't really want to go to the Indiana Dunes, but there'd be a ton of available rentals out there, and there just wasn't anything 
really viable. So that idea kind of kind of died on the vine. And I was stuck here, deep behind enemy lines in the old Windy City with the summer heat coming in. It's been pretty nice the last couple of days. We got some rain, but it, it's been, you know, in the 80s and sunny. And it's a good time to be getting out and about, doing some barbecuing and things like that. Unfortunately, my friends were, uh, for the most part, busy over the weekend. And my grill, I actually... When they were doing all sorts of construction on my condo here, that $2 million special assessment I'm sure I've complained about to you folks before, they, uh, I, I took everything off my balcony, and I had, a, I had a Weber grill out there, and I ended up bringing it. <laughs> I just walked it a, a few blocks to my buddy's house who's got this great little backyard, you know, maybe a 10-minute walk away. Because yeah, I still wanted to grill. It's the, there's nothing better in the summertime for me than hanging out in the backyard and and grilling with some buddies. And so my my grill's still over there, and he he's just been unavailable a lot. He, he started working a little bit more in the last couple of months, so it's been tough to get everybody together. But hopefully that'll change now that that summer's getting into full gear here. We're coming up on July. I don't know what I'm going to do for the July 4th weekend, but it's a long weekend for me. I'm off on Friday, and then I'm off on uh, Monday for the actual holiday. So, um, yeah, I should do something. <laughs> I better get my act together. I will, um, I, I mean, depending on what I do, if I go somewhere, I'll probably pre-record an episode on Thursday to drop on Friday. If I don't end up doing anything, I'll just do a regular episode on Friday since I... I guess I'm not going to have much else to do. Um, but yeah, this really snuck up on me. That the month of June went by really fast for some reason. I guess because things are opening up and there's you can actually do stuff now somewhat. Chicago is still, I don't know, for supposedly entering phase four now or whatever. But I think they're going to throttle back on that given all this, uh, all these new COVID second wave scares that we're hearing about that... If I have time at the end of the show, I'll get into. But yeah, June, uh, July really snuck up on me. I, I can't believe the month is over already, and the year is half over. I mean, Jesus, it's uh, whew, crazy. Excuse me, had to have a sip of my Lorenzati coffee, who will get a, a formal plug later on in the show. You know I don't do an episode without a little boost from my, my buddies over at Lorenzati. Anyway, we've had a couple of somewhat exciting developments as far as the podcast is concerned. Thanks to uh, Justin Campbell, who's been helping me out with things. We got a YouTube channel up and running, and he's been creating a, a bunch of new, well, not new, but shareable clips and contents and, and dropping them on Twitter and things so that other people can share them and, and get a gist of the show without having to listen to a full, you know, 45 minute hour long episode or something like that. So that's pretty cool. We're getting the, the uh, YouTube channel going and the private Facebook group is also up and running. We're getting new members in every day. One thing I, I will say that I'm disappointed in is my Twitter following. I, you know, I, I only have like a few hundred followers on Twitter and I've got a few thousand people that listen to the podcast. So I don't know what the hell's going on with you guys. But it would really help me out, lend the show some legitimacy, 
if they see that I have a few thousand followers rather than just a few hundred, most of which I had before I, I got a lot of listeners to the show. I already had a, a few hundred, couple hundred list, uh, Twitter followers before I, I had a, a, a couple thousand listeners to the podcast. So if you can do me a favor, follow me on Twitter. And that way, you know, if I'm trying to get I do want to start to try to get some guests on the show, maybe do a couple interviews every once in a while. And I think it would help lend some credibility to, you know, when I invite somebody onto the show, if they see that I have more than like 400 Twitter followers. So um, do me a favor, follow me on Twitter. You'll get access to the world's best meme folder. I, I, I will put my meme folder up against anybody's. And, uh, you know, we can we can converse that way as, as well as in the private Facebook group. So go ahead and do that. But anyway, that's uh, that's all I have to report on that front. And we can get into the show here. There's oh, man, it's been quite an interesting couple of days. The insanity in this uh, country is has continued, if not escalated. And if you've been following me on Twitter, which most of you haven't. You, you've seen some of the stuff that I've been posting, <laughs> like like uh, L'Oreal, that um, that company. I don't know. They do like uh, moisturizers and shampoo, conditioners, hair products, things like that. They have decided in their uh, in all of their glorious virtue that they're going to be removing the word whitening, the words whitening and fair. Fair skin or whatever from all of their products and in solidarity with the Black uh, Lives Matter movement, right? Because it, it's uh, it's got some racist undertones there for the whitening creams. And I mean, I don't really, I mean, I don't use any of this shit, but I I, I think what the whitening cream is is for <laughs> is for people that have like liver spots and you know when you get older you get sunspots and things like that and i think you put the cream on that to sort of lighten them up and blend it back in with your skin tone so i i don't know what else you can call that if not whitening clean uh, cream maybe a lightening lightening cream or so without losing all meaning i don't know what the hell they're going to call this stuff but you know they're doing their part to end racism as we know it. We're we're one step away. I, I, the next product to eliminate a, an uncomfortable word or a word that's problematic from their skew, I'm sure, will just solve all of uh, Black America's problems. We're almost there, guys. Just keep going. You're doing a wonderful job. We've got the cartoon characters now. They can no longer be voiced by people that don't match their skin color in real life. This is the, the next big thing here that's going to solve racism as we know it and make everybody's life so much better. Just absolute. It's going to be paradise now because Cleveland from Family Guy will no longer be voiced by an old white guy. I mean, God forbid, right? Oh, God. Yeah, this is a, an article, justthenews.com. White voice actors who step down from playing characters of color. We've got The Simpsons, Family Guy, and Big Mouth, which I'm not familiar with, among others, are recasting their characters of color. And several animated TV series, including long-running hits, have made decisions to no longer use white actors for the voices of characters from other ethnic backgrounds. 
Fox Entertainment revealed Friday that moving forward, The Simpsons will no longer have white actors voice non-white actors. The show has faced years of criticism over white actor Hank Azaria's voiceover of Indian American character Apu. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. We all know Apu. He's a uh, hilarious character. And um, I, I don't know what The Simpsons is going to do now. I mean, what are they going to do? They, they don't even have white characters on the show. They're all yellow. So what, what are they going to do now? Are they going to outsource everything to China? <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Asians are the closest thing we have to yellow, right? Uh, I mean, what idiot came up with this idea? It's acting. The whole point is to pretend that you're something you're not for the sake of the story. We do this all the time. So what? So what if the voice of the character isn't played by the same skin color person as the character? I mean, these are cartoons. They're cartoons. They're drawings on a piece of paper. Or, I mean, however they do it now, whatever. They're not real. I, I mean, I've got news for you, okay? Those aren't even the voice actors' real voices. Did you know that? They're actually changing their voice to fit a character. Is that not going to be allowed now? Is, is that going to be banned too? I mean, even if they're playing the character with the same skin color as them, what if you're appropriating someone else's dialect or a different inflection that isn't your own? What if you're changing your voice? Does every voice actor have to use their own real voice now with no adaptation whatsoever? And what about gender? I mean, what, what are you idiots going to do about gender now? Because Bart is voiced by a woman last time I checked, unless that's changed, which I don't think it has. I always found that kind of weird when I was growing up and I found out that Bart was actually voiced by a woman. I mean, what the fuck? How is that okay? How is that, how is that acceptable? Is it just because white men aren't this specially protected class, so it's okay? It's okay to have a, a white man or a yellow boy played by a white woman? That's fine. And wait, I mean, is there even a, a gender? Does gender even exist? I, I mean, I'm so confused now. I don't even know if gender is this thing or if it's a social construct. Can we even have male and female characters anymore? Or does everyone have to be some gender-fluid, ambiguous thing? I mean, wh wh where are we going with this? What are we doing here? Should we just eliminate all of the human and artistic elements in entertainment? Have everything done by robots in that monotone, robotic voice? Would that make all of you fucking lunatics happy? Or is that also problematic because now you're having a robot voice a character that isn't, in fact, a robot? And what about uh, like that stereotypical uh, Italian guy from the show, from The Simpsons, who's, who's fucking hilarious, by the way? And I can say that because... I have some Italian in me, right? I got the Italian card to play. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll never forget that episode where they have the Italian immigrant guy and he's talking and, and somebody tries to speak Italian to him or something, but he only understands the broken English because his parents were immigrants that, sp that spoke the broken English and never taught him to speak Italian. But what about that stereotype? He's vo is he voiced by an Italian immigrant? I don't think so. I doubt it. And if not... Can I be offended? Should I, get, should I get him thrown off the show or whatever? Or what about Darth Vader? 
one of the greatest villains of all time, who was played by a white actor and voiced by James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, who has one of the best voices of all time. Just an incredible voice. Could you imagine how much worse Star Wars would be and Darth Vader as a character would be if James Earl Jones couldn't do the voice? I mean, think about that. Think about what we're potentially missing out on here as a culture. And I mean, what the hell are we doing? What was the problem with these cartoon characters having voices of people that didn't match their uh, the cartoon's character in real life? Who thinks about this stuff? I mean, what was the problem with the poo? It was funny. The Italian guy's funny. What's the problem with Cleveland? Cleveland's voice. So what if it's a white guy doing it? It's funny. It's entertaining. People like it. Unlike all of these awful, forced remakes of classic movies where they just replace the main character with a black person or a woman, like every Netflix remake ever, and then when they inevitably flop, because nobody actually gives a shit about this, they just want to watch a good movie for the sake of it being a good movie without an agenda. When these movies flop, they lash out at us. They lash out at the public for being racist or sexist. I mean, that's great. It's a great plan, you idiots. I mean, the number of people that wanted to watch a forced, agenda-laden, all-female remake of Ghostbusters could be counted on one hand, okay? And they probably all worked for the Huffington Post. Or, or the Black Annie. Remember that movie? Probably not. Because nobody fucking watched that. Nobody. There was no demand for a Black Annie remake. Okay? The only people that watched that were, were the actors themselves and maybe their immediate family. If they were like forced to. They probably had to twist their arms. But I mean, how is that allowed? How is that okay? Somebody needs to explain the rules to me here. I mean, Ghostbusters were all men originally. How, how are we going to allow a different interpretation, no matter how bad it is? How, how can they be played by all women? And why the double standard? So it, it's just victimhood status, right? So if you're historically a victim, you can play any role that you want, regardless of your gender or your skin color. And I guess if you're a white guy, you can only play white guys now. That's what we're going with. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a great plan. This is all so goddamn ridiculous and infuriating. Can you guys just stop it? Just stop ruining the few good things that we have left. I mean, there's very few things that we have left. And, and you're, you're working on destroying whatever scraps we have. And all of you pathetic, pandering actors out there, just stop kowtowing to these people. You're not ingratiating yourself to them. As I talked about on that other episode, they don't care. They don't care about you or your hollow, meaningless gestures. This is about them exercising control and intimidating you into falling in line with their insane agenda. And they will keep going to further and further insanity just to prove that they can, to get you to bend a knee. Because if they can get you to abandon everything, and get you on board with all this crazy shit, then they can get you pathetic, spineless pussies to do anything, anything that they want. They're, they're just conditioning you. They're breaking you in for the real crazy shit that's coming down the pike.
And I mean, if you take this idea to its logical conclusion, there can basically be no more acting, which, I mean, it, it would be nice <laughs> from a, uh, a Hollywood standpoint to not have to do like the Golden Globes every year and all that shit. Listen to all these fucking miserable actors giving us their political views for four hours every night. But is that what we really want? No more acting? Like everybody just has to play themselves? And what we're going to end up with is just awful entertainment from now on while we're locked up in our houses because of COVID. What are you going to watch? I mean, what if they just start removing all of the old good movies out there and you're left with nothing but new shit with where everybody has to play exactly what they're what they are in real life. And there's no more acting. Everybody will just be like Walter Jr. and Breaking Bad. Easily the worst, most annoying, and pointless character on that show. I mean, almost ruined it for me. He was that bad. Because, you know, he actually has cerebral palsy in real life. And he played a character that had cerebral palsy. And it was just terrible. It was just terrible. I mean, what the fuck did that kid bring to that show? Other than sympathy and some added stress for his dad or whatever. But all he did every single episode was wake up, ask for pancakes or eat breakfast, and then get a ride to school and a ride back from school. And he would just do that over and over again. It's like it was fucking pointless. And his acting, I mean, I guess it was good for someone with cerebral palsy, I suppose. But I'd much rather have seen a, a really good actor fake cerebral palsy then watch him with real cerebral palsy, fake acting. I've just had it with all of this. I mean, wh wh like I said, what are we doing here? What's the goal? What's the plan? Let miserable, pathetic excuses for human beings ruin everything? Make the rest of us as miserable as they are? I mean, tell me, family guy, uh, who, who's going to voice Brian from now on? Where are you going to get a dog that talks? I mean, look out, you know, Sarah McLaughlin, the ASPCA, they're going to be knocking down your door for an inaccurate, insensitive portrayal of a dog. Or, or what about that old pedophile on the show? Do we need to start giving pedophiles voiceover work now just so that they match up with the, char the cartoon character that they're supposed to be playing? Oh, my God, this is, uh, it, this is ridiculous. And I don't feel bad for these actors at all. I mean, most of this stuff is, is completely voluntary on their part. Nobody really asked a lot of them to do this. In most cases, they just volunteered to do some more virtue signaling. Uh, they're, they're jumping on the bandwagon. And believe me, there's nothing easier than voice work, voiceover work. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. I bet some of the accents could be a little hard to do. And I am always impressed when they actually start singing in character. But let's not pretend like the Simpsons guy or the guy playing Cleveland that they haven't been on a gravy train with biscuit wheels for the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, how Simpsons has been on since like the 80s. That I mean, that's probably why they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I don't need this. I don't I don't need this uh this headache. The hell with you. But then you have others like I don't even know what what was the name of that show? Uh Big Mouth? I I don't know what that is.
who are these other? Yeah, Jenny Slate, who voiced Missy, a biracial character on Netflix original series Big Mouth, said in a statement on Instagram that she originally felt comfortable playing Missy because of the racial background of the character's mother, who is Jewish and white. Slate, who is also Jewish and white, decided she could no longer portray Missy, who is part African-American. So even if you're half, you know, if you're a 50-50 match, that, that's not good enough either. Ending my portrayal of Missy is one step in a lifelong process of uncovering the racism in my actions, she said in a statement. She has been voicing Missy since 2017. Okay. Harry Shearer, like uh, Azaria, Shearer announced he would be stepping away from his role playing uh, characters of color on The Simpsons. He voiced the African-American Buddhist Carlton Carlson Jr., and played Dr. Julius Hibbert, an African-American doctor, among many other characters. He'd been voice acting with the franchise since 1989. And then, yeah, yeah, Mike Henry, who did Cleveland Brown and Family Guy and The Cleveland Show. Kristen Bell, the star from Frozen franchise, debuted last month as Molly, a mixed-race character in Central Park. Within a month of the premiere date, on May 29th, Bell stepped down from the role, saying it was time to acknowledge our acts of complicity. Playing the character of Molly on Central Park shows a lack of awareness of my pervasive privilege, Bell said in a statement on Instagram. God, I wish Instagram would ban this sort of shit. These comments. Why don't you fucking deplatform that? Uh, casting a mixed race character with a white actress undermines the specificity of the mixed race and black American experience. No. No, it doesn't. Well, what about the writers? Do the writers have to be black now, too? We can't have any white writers writing um, any any parts other than white white things? And then we got it. Yeah, you know, if you have an Asian character, that can only be written by an Asian and a black, only written by a black person. What the fuck are we trying to do here, people? This is insane. And all of these people that are sort of jumping on this bandwagon that the guy from uh, playing a poo sort of led, this isn't even working. It's backfiring, from what I understand. Because all of these white liberals just can't help but jump at the opportunity to make this whole like Black Lives Matter movement all about them, right? They have to come and be the center of attention and steal the spotlight from the actual black people. And from what I understand, there are some of these Black Lives Matter organizers that aren't too happy with these actors hijacking their movement. But what do you expect? What do you expect when you lecture them? all day every day about their privilege and their whiteness and blah 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 and not, and now they're actually taking steps to 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 take a step back from from playing black characters or biracial characters even if you're like uh, i don't get the mixed race thing okay so they can only so they can't be played by a 100% black person either i guess you have to be the exact racial makeup like what if you what if you're like a really you're really mixed up. You're like 34% something. And, and then it's like 60% something else. And then a few percent. We got, we got to match everything up perfectly. Or, or, or can we just, can we round up? How does this work? Where, where are we going with this? Idiots. God, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to say other than I'm thoroughly disappointed in everybody, the entire country. I want off of this planet.
I've really had it with this. These are all just meaningless, empty gestures that are going to ruin the good things that we actually have going. And all of these Black Lives Matter organizers that are angry with these white liberals hijacking their movement and making it all about them, you should be angry at the stupidity of this whole thing and the ridiculousness and the emptiness of, of these gestures. This is going to do nothing. This is going to be counterproductive. They are ruining your movement. But don't get mad at them for stealing the spotlight. Get mad at them for trivializing it and making it ridiculous and going from the you know sublime to the ridiculous or whatever that saying is. I don't know. Anyway, I got to move on. I didn't plan on uh, ranting about that for like 25 minutes, but you never know here on the Peddling Fiction Podcast what's going to get my Irish up. Um, so yeah, apparently if I ever do any acting whatsoever or voiceover work, they have to be part Irish, part Sicilian with a little bit of Polish. Otherwise, I guess I'm, I'm shit out of luck. Anyway, uh, what other craziness is going on in the world today? Well, we're going to get into that, but first let me thank our other sponsor for today's show, which is in my coffee mug as we speak. And that is Lorenzotti Coffee. You guys know them, two liberty-minded entrepreneurs that came together for their love of coffee and their desire to bring that taste of Italy back across the pond over here. You can go get yourself some premium Italian coffee delivered right to your door if you go to lorenzotti.coffee, that's L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee. Enter the promo code FICTION and you'll get 10% off your order. And if you order at least two tins, you'll get free shipping, which, I mean, this day and age, you'd be crazy not to get free shipping. Who, who wants to pay for shipping? Who wants to stand in line for a cup of coffee or frequent one of these virtue signaling conglomerates like Starbucks when you can get premium Italian coffee delivered right to your door and support small business and your favorite podcast all in one false swoop. That's one of the win-win-win situations that can only be created in a free market, voluntarist society. So go to lorenzotti.coffee, use promo code FICTION, get 10% off your order. And don't forget, if you own a coffee shop or you know someone who owns a coffee shop, or if you're just really serious about brewing up some coffee or espresso or anything like that, they also supply professional coffee brewing equipment. They can do that too. They do it all. So check them out, lorenzotti.coffee, promo code FICTION. All right. Now, back to the insanity. What do we got here? Uh, this happened, I think it was over the weekend. It might have been yesterday. I think yesterday is when I noticed it. YouTube bans Richard Spencer, Stephen Molyneux, and others as white supremacist crackdown continues. So it looks like Richard Spencer and David Duke and, and maybe some other, you know, neo-Nazi whatever's that we've never heard of have been banned. I want to focus on Stephen Molyneux because I am familiar with him. I've I've listened to him a lot in the past. He's been on huge podcasts like the Rubin Report. He's been on Rogan a few times. He advocates for peaceful parenting and the non-aggression principle. I believe he's a libertarian. He he's an anarchist, or at least he used to be. I you know I haven't listened to a lot of his more recent things the last uh, couple of years, but he used to be a, an anarcho-capitalist. At least I think he was. Um, he, he's written, um, 
He's written some good books. I read his book, Everyday Anarchy, and that was a great book. He's a philosopher. He's a free speech advocate. He explores ideas. I've learned a lot from him over the years. Yeah, I know he's done some work with race and IQ, and I'm guessing that that was the catalyst for him getting banned. Because anytime you talk about race and IQ or race and anything, anytime you talk about race in general, unless you're you're coming at it from a left wing perspective, the approved opinion, and you're on you know that Tom Woods index card, the three by five card of allowable opinion. If you're if you're not coming at it from that angle, well then obviously you're a white supremacist. Now, I haven't delved too much into this whole race and IQ thing. I mean, for one thing, I don't find it very interesting or compelling or convincing. I mean, I get the gist of his arguments that that Stefan's making with this. And, you know, I may not find it compelling, but he does. So what? Okay, he's making an argument. Go ahead and refute his argument. Don't just throw a hissy fit and get him deplatformed. Or, or, or stop him from speaking at your venue. I know that's happened to him before. He, he's been a victim of the, you know, the cancel culture mob. I mean, what, what is that going to do? What is deplatforming him going to do, trying to silence him going to do? It's not going to convince his million followers. He had a million, uh, over a million YouTube subscribers, something like that. It's not going to convince them that he's wrong about anything. The only way you're going to do that is to get his ideas out in the open and refute them. Make a superior argument. Go ahead. I mean, convince people that you're right and he's wrong. Forcing him underground, like they're doing with all of these you know, people that they disagree with, right? Alex Jones, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, who's that comedian? Owen Benjamin. Forcing him underground won't make the ideas go away. And if anything, it's just going to foster resentment among the people that are susceptible to his ideas. Maybe even confirm whatever theories they have about this ideological or culture war being waged against them. What good can come from that? I mean, again, what's the goal here? And you know, when I engage people on social media, if I ever get into an argument, which I don't do very often, I'm just not interested in it. Um, I, I feel like I have better things to do with my time, but when I do, it's not because I think I can convince the person I'm arguing with of the errors of their ways. And there's no doubt that obviously they're wrong and I'm right. I mean, there, there's never a question about that, but the reason I engage with them, the reason I get into an argument with them is because I know that there are other people out there that are, that are seeing what's going on that will see my superior argument, and maybe I can convince them. The person arguing with me, they're too far gone. They're way too far gone. But the other people that are watching, maybe they're, maybe they're going to see that, that you know, I have a better idea and that, and that I can convince them of, of these better ideas. They're watching, they're looking to see who has the better idea. Maybe they're open to it, you know? So say what you will about Stefan Molyneux. He's not a white supremacist. I mean, he's white. That's about it. He's Canadian. Um, but even if he was a, a white supremacist, which he is not, I mean, to the extent that that label actually has any meaning anymore, 
I don't think he's a white supremacist. But wouldn't you, let, let's say he was for the sake of argument. And I think, uh, you know, D- Dave Smith, part of the problem has sort of made this this argument before. I don't know if it, probably for Stefan Molyneux, but definitely for others as well. Um, like Tom Woods <laughs> that, that gets labeled a white supremacist. But wouldn't you like to have a white supremacist that is a staunch advocate for like peaceful parenting and the non-aggression principle? Like no matter what his feelings are toward another race of people or toward other people in general, he is never going to aggress against otherwise peaceful people. Wouldn't that be like the best white supremacist you could be? And if he has some huge white supremacist following, okay, wouldn't you want all of those evil white supremacists to be constantly bombarded with the virtues of the non-aggression principle? so that they won't aggress against the people that they don't like? I, I mean, what, what more could you want than a white supremacist that abide by the non-aggression principle? I mean, you guys are going down the opposite path. If he does, you know, if he does have a white supremacist following and, and you cut them off from him, like I said, all you're going to do is breed resentment and anger. How, how's that going to play out? What again? What is the plan here? This is so insane. But they don't even want to hear his arguments. I was watching a, a pretty hilarious interview with him. Uh, this New Zealand guy was interviewing him and some other lady. I guess they just got canceled from some venue in Australia. And he asks Stefan Molyneux a question uh, about the whole race and IQ thing. And, and Stefan goes in, he starts making the argument. He's like, well, you know, uh, IQ, you know, is this good indicator of how well people are going to do in society and Asians have the highest IQ. And then below that you have white people. And, then, and the guy cuts him off. He's like, I don't want to hear it. I, 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 no, stop talking. I, I'm not interested in your argument. And I don't know if that's because they can't refute the argument or if it just makes them uncomfortable, but they're just not interested. Either way, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're not interested in hearing his arguments, okay? Because this is a free country. If people, if there are other people, a million other people that want to hear what this guy has to say, he should be able to say it, and they should be able to hear it. That's what free speech is about. Okay, free speech does not exist so that we can all talk about sunshine and butterflies, the, the, the whole point of free speech is to protect things, uh, protect the speech that, that makes people uncomfortable, that things that people don't want to hear. So-called hate speech, that's what free speech is about. I mean, why, why, would we all, why would we have to have a First Amendment? Why would we have to have free speech if we were only going to tell, tell everybody how much we love them and how great everything is? And what happened to the whole, let's have an honest conversation that everybody supposedly wants to have? Where are all those people at? I hear this all the time. It's long past time we have an honest conversation about this or an honest conversation about race or whatever. Well, there he was. He was out there. He was trying to have an honest conversation about literally every philosophical topic on the face of the earth. This guy was a philosopher. He is a philosopher. He's interested in having conversations. That's all they do. That's his whole point of existing. Say what you will about the guy. It would be ridiculous to claim that he's being insincere. 
even if you think he's a white supremacist, he's at least being sincere. He's being honest. He's trying to have an honest conversation. All he was trying to do is have an honest conversation. So what happened? Where, where'd all you let's have an honest conversation people go? Are you afraid? Go ahead. Have a conversation with him. Have him on your show. He, he's willing to have a conversation with anybody that wants to talk to him. What's the problem? Get, what Giving him a platform for his horrible ideas? Okay, if they're so horrible, demonstrate that. Make him look like an idiot. Embarrass him with your superior ideas and all your intellect. Shouldn't, shouldn't be that hard, right? Because you're on the right side of things. You've got science on your side. You've got the superior arguments. What's the problem? What are you worried about? Hmm? Yeah, see, you see, the odds are you know deep down maybe you're not smart enough to beat his ideas. Maybe he's going to run circles around you, make you look like an idiot, because, you know, he is a very smart guy. I, I might not agree with everything he says or all of his uh, conclusions based on whatever, but he's, he's intelligent. He's highly intelligent, and he makes, he makes some strong arguments that I think need, some of them need to be refuted. Okay, but, you know, chances are, if you're one of these social justice warrior numbskulls, he's going to expose you for all your shallow-minded ideas. He's going to expose you for being afraid. You're afraid of his ideas because they, they make you question your own reality, right? And you're incapable of argument and critical thinking because you're all just a bunch of lemmings. And all you can do is shout buzzwords, racist, white supremacist, and throw temper tantrums and intimidate people into silencing others. The ironic thing is that when it comes to this whole race and IQ thing, he's actually using scientific data, proven tested scientific data, IQ tests, right? Drawing conclusions off of that data, and he's making an argument. This is apparently now using science to draw conclusions is all of a sudden hate speech. It's white supremacy, right? Even though he points out that Asians are superior to whites in IQ, and then Ashkenazi Jews as well. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is some white supremacist that thinks he's coming in like third in line. In, in the supremacy line, because Asians and Ashkenazi Jews, you know, there's only a, a couple billion of them. And I, I think Indians fall under that Asian category as well. So the vast majority of the world is, is superior to whites in IQ. And this is your white supremacist that needs to be banned off of YouTube. I wonder if this would be considered hate speech if the data showed that on average, black people had higher IQs than white people. Then would it be hate speech? Or, or would that be considered settled science in that case? Huh? What do you think? What, what, what do you guys think? Huh? How do you think that narrative would go if things were reversed? And all of these people that want him banned, that want him silenced for the crime of wrong think, will turn around and in the same breath tell you how pro-science they are, how you're a climate science denier. You know, it seems to me that they only favor science that furthers their political agenda, that confirms their idiotic ideas. They don't seem to be too concerned with science when it comes to gender or abortion. But, you know, faulty, bullshit, so-called climate science that says the world's going to end in 12 years unless we all become communists, uh, that they're all about. That's the science that they're all interested in. Uh, okay. Uh, and, uh, oh, speaking of that, 
I came across a little number yesterday, I think. Found it pretty interesting. Not getting a lot of press, of course. That's shocking. But the headline reads, Forbes censors award-winning environmentalist apology over three-decade climate scare. So Forbes has decided to unpublish an article by the award-winning climate activist Michael Schellenberger in which he apologizes for the climate scare we created over the last 30 years. Schellenberger, a progressive, was named one of Time's Heroes of the Environment while his book, Breakthrough, was heralded by Wired as potentially the best thing to happen to environmentalism since Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. His book, Apocalypse Never, was widely praised as an eye-opening, fact-based approach to climate science and engaging and well-researched. And now he's come out and apologized for three decades of climate alarmism he's saying is complete bullshit. And Forbes has now blocked his article without an explanation. Luckily, there's more than one honest news source on the internet, so I found the article, and I'm going to read you the apology. On behalf of environmentalists everywhere, I would like to formally apologize for the climate scare we created over the last 30 years. Climate change is happening. It's just not the end of the world. It's not even our most serious environmental problem. I may seem like a strange person to be saying all of this. I've been a climate activist for 20 years and an environmentalist for 30. But as an energy expert asked by Congress to provide objective expert testimony and invited by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change to serve as expert reviewer of its next assessment report, I feel an obligation to apologize for how badly we environmentalists have misled the public. And man, I you know, I hate to say I told you so, but I did do an episode on uh, the existential threat of uh, climate change uh, a, a couple of months ago where I pointed out um, in excruciating detail all of the problems with this nonsense climate science but anyway back to the apology here are some facts people know humans are not causing a sixth mass extinction the amazon is not the lungs of the world climate change is not making natural disasters worse fires have declined 25 percent around the world since 2003 the amount of land we use for meat humankind's biggest use of land has declined by an area nearly as large as Alaska. The buildup of wood fuel and and more houses near forests, not climate change, explains why there are more and more dangerous fires in Australia and California. Carbon emissions are declining in most rich nations and have been declining in Britain, Germany, and France since the mid-1970s. Adapting to life below sea level made the Netherlands rich, not poor. We produce 25% more food than we need, and food surpluses will continue to rise as the world gets hotter. Habitat loss and the direct killing of wild animals are bigger threats to species than climate change. Wood fuel is far worse for people and wildlife than fossil fuels. Preventing future pandemics requires more, not less, industrial agriculture. 
I know the above facts will sound like climate denialism to many people, but that just shows the power of climate alarmism. In reality, the above facts come from the best available scientific studies, including those conducted by or accepted by the IPCC, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, the International Union for Conservation of Nature, and other leading scientific bodies. Some people, when they read this, will imagine that I'm some right-wing anti-environmentalist. I am not. At 17, I lived in Nicaragua to show solidarity with the Sandinista Socialist Revolution. At 23, I raised money for Guatemalan women's cooperatives. In my early 20s, I lived in the semi-Amazon doing research with small farmers fighting land invasions. At 26, I helped expose poor conditions at Nike factories in Asia. I became an environmentalist at 16 when I threw a fundraiser for Rainforest Action Network. At 27, I helped save the last unprotected ancient redwoods in California. In my 30s, I advocated renewables and successfully helped persuade the Obama administration to invest $90 billion into them. Over the last few years, I've helped save enough nuclear plants from being replaced by fossil fuels to prevent a sharp increase in emissions. But until last year, I mostly avoided speaking out against the climate scare, partly because I was embarrassed. After all, I am as guilty of alarmism as any environmentalist. For years, I referred to climate change as an existential threat to human civilization, and I called it a crisis. Uh, now, this actually keeps going on and on. There's a lot more to this apology. I'm just running out of time here. Um, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Let's see if there's any more highlights. Uh, but then last year, things spiraled out of control. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Uh, Britain's most high-profile environmental group claimed climate change kills children. As a result, half of the people surveyed around the world last year said that they thought climate change would make human humanity extinct. And in January, one out of five British children told pollsters they were having nightmares about climate change. So why were we so misled? In the final three chapters of Apocalypse Never, I exposed the financial, political, and ideological motivation. Environmentalist groups have accepted hundreds of millions of dollars from fossil fuel interests. Groups motivated by anti-humanist beliefs force the World Bank to stop trying to end poverty and instead make poverty sustainable. And status, anxiety, depression, and hostility to modern civilization are behind much of the alarmism. Once you realize just how badly misinformed we have been, often by people with plainly unsavory or unhealthy motivations, it's hard not to feel duped. The ideology behind environmental alarmism has been repeatedly debunked for 200 years and yet is more powerful than ever. Uh, he still goes on. He keeps going, but he, he, uh, he further hopes that we'll accept his apology. You know, I don't know if I do accept his apology. I mean, I think you guys get the point here. I was right. Everybody else is wrong about climate change. But, um, uh, you know, it, I'm glad that he's finally come out and admitted this. And it, it's nice that there are people with, a, with at least that amount of integrity to, to realize the errors of their ways and come out and make this apology, try to correct the record. But, man, it, the amount of damage that they've done to the world to uh, people's psyches with this climate change horseshit. It, I don't know if there's enough apology. Like, it's not enough. Uh, you've done too much damage.
this train is already, you know, off the rails. There's no stopping it. But I at least appreciate the sentiment. I'm going to sleep on whether or not I accept your apology. But I suppose at the very least, it's a step in the right direction. It's nice that it's getting zero press and that Forbes banned, uh, Forbes removed the article from their site and everything. That's uh, that, that should tell you everything you need to know about this uh, existential threat. You can't question it. Of course not. Cannot question the narrative. Do not fall off that 3x5 index card of allowable opinion. As you will uh, see, the theme of the show, the insanity continues. And before we wrap up, We've got some more coronavirus insanity that I want to go over. See if I can get this, cram this in real quick. This is sort of a follow-up to the last episode I did, and I don't, you know, want to beat a dead horse here. But um, it does tie in nicely to the whole climate change hoax that we just went through. They're going off of faulty science. They're going off of bullshit data and bullshit models to push their agenda and uh, you know, radically change our lives. In in Miami now, you can get a, a fine. Not wearing a mask can cost you anywhere from fifty to five hundred dollars in South Beach now under new COVID crackdown. And this is from the article. Amid a rising number of COVID cases and hospitalizations in Miami Dade County, the mayor of Miami Beach announced Monday the city would begin issuing fines to those who ignore the rules requiring the use of facial coverings indoors and outside if social distancing cannot be observed. Violating Miami Beach's rules may earn you a verbal warning and subsequent violations will lead to a $50 fine. That is less than the fines in Miami, which started at 50 but can increase to 500 for the third offense. The order remains in effect through Wednesday unless the city commission votes to extend the manager's emergency powers beyond July 1st. And over in New York, they're issuing a, a, a travel warning. You, you must self-quarantine for 14 days if you're coming from certain states. Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, California, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Idaho, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, North Carolina, Nevada, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah. As if, I mean, as if anybody wants to go to New York now. I mean, what would be the point of going to New York with, with everything shut down? Nothing to do. Um, but anybody caught violating the quarantine could face massive fines between 2000 and 10000 Th- This is where we are now. California, heading into the 4th of July weekend, you know, when we celebrate our independence and our freedom, L.A. County beaches will be closed. Fines up to $1,000 for trespassing. And, and suddenly that meme from a, a few weeks ago, you know, the, uh, oh, I hope they let us out of our house on the 4th of July so we can celebrate our freedoms. That, that's looking uh, pretty ominous now, isn't it? Because this is just total bullshit. Not only did they show no interest in shutting down protests of, of tens of thousands of people just a few weeks ago, but they encouraged it. They justified it. They made every excuse imaginable. They wouldn't dare fine anyone or arrest anyone for rioting, looting, straight-up arson, let alone trespassing. But now, now that it's time for everyday, law-abiding citizens to enjoy their weekend, maybe celebrate our Independence Day at the beach, in which, of course, you know they were taxed thousands of dollars a year to pay for. Sorry, you can't do that. Now we're interested in restricting you. Now we're going to enforce things again. 
I mean, aren't people getting fed up with this? How, how much longer are we going to put up with this crap? Because one of two things is going on, right? Either they kowtowed to the Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests. They allowed reckless, irresponsible, and dangerous protests to run rampant throughout the country for weeks. And that is directly responsible for this surge in new cases. Which, of course, you know, it just so happens to line up perfectly with the timing of the incubation period. So that is very likely. And the protests are still going on, by the way. I'm sure we all saw the footage of that Missouri couple out in front of their house brandishing firearms as the protesters paraded through their gated community. Um, I don't have time to get into that today. but uh, um, So either that's going on. Or all of these new, this surge in COVID cases are complete bullshit and they're fabricating these, these numbers for a couple of reasons. One, they get additional COVID funding from the federal government. It also prolongs the crisis that, that hurts Trump's chances of getting reelected. Um, it puts further strain on states and local budgets that, that makes the, the case stronger for a federal bailout. I mean, I guess, you know, all, all of this could actually be true. It doesn't have to be one or the other. These could all be true at the same time. It's all actually probably very likely that they're all true at the same time now that I think about it. The government has done a great job of creating moral hazard for states to act irresponsibly. And if you remember back a few episodes ago when I talked about the problems with bailing out states, once you bail out one state and that option is put on the table and all of these other states realize that they have a direct line to the printing press, well, then they're all incentivized to act as recklessly as possible so that they're the ones getting the bailouts and they're not the ones that have to do the bailing. So it wouldn't surprise me in the least that states that were already bankrupt want to prolong this crisis so that they can get a federal bailout. And then the states that were in good financial standing, well, they're fearful of getting left holding the bag and having to bail out all those reckless states they, they don't want to be the ones that are forced to bail out the Californias, the New Yorks, the Illinois of the country. So they want to make their fiscal standing as dire as possible as well. Everybody's going to fight over one another to get a bailout. But so if, if that's the case, you know, you know, if the protests led to a surge in cases and we're also misreporting or, you know, um, padding these stats a little bit, a lot, actually, if you look at a chart. But who the fuck cares about cases? This was never about the number of cases. Remember, or at least not at first, that's never what the, what the goal was. Remember what their original justification was for shutting everything down. It was flatten the curve, avoid hospital overcapacity, and limit the number of deaths. That's what they told us, right? And remember, it was always the death count. It was always how many people are dying today or how many people have died so far. Now, all of a sudden, it's about cases, it's about how many new cases we have. Who cares? Who cares if someone gets it or has it and it doesn't require hospitalization, they don't die, and they recover like nothing ever happened? So what? Deaths are way down from the peak, and they've been trending down for months even as the, the number of cases supposedly skyrockets. I mean, I, don't, I just don't believe these numbers for a second. If you look at a chart of cases of the U.S. versus like the, the EU, it's just way too drastic to make sense to me. 
unless of course it's it's because of our the protests i mean that's the only difference really and the fact that states have been incentivized to over report cases um but we are doing more testing people are going out more so it makes sense that there would be more cases and if you do want to link this to the black lives matter protest it makes sense that these are minor cases where nobody's being hospitalized and nobody is dying because we know for a fact that this virus does not affect young people the same way it does old people and young people were the ones protesting and rioting and so remember this while they move the goalposts on us and try to scare us into another lockdown or into mandatory masks everywhere you go you know it's gonna be pretty funny when uh, the, the next uh, people to be killed by cops are going to be, you know, they're going to be killed for not wearing their mask. They're going to get strangled for, for violating the mask rules or something like that. Um, but I, I mean, I do hate to repeat myself, but I can't stress this enough. Th these people are full of shit. I just, I don't believe these numbers. I don't believe that there could be that drastic of a difference between the U S and the EU. There's just no way. Unless, of course, like I said, it's a, it's due to these these protests and or dishonest reporting, which they will be quick to tell you that uh, they've they've done all this research and all these protests had nothing to do with it. Uh, okay, yeah, right. Forgive me if I find that hard to believe. But remember last week when they were all up in arms about Houston's hospitals being at one hundred percent capacity, and I called bullshit on that. Well, lo and behold, they got exposed for their dishonesty. And you know how Michael Malice is always talking about how the media is being factual but not truthful? This is the perfect example of that. And I posted this on Twitter. Like I said, you guys got to follow me on Twitter. I need some more followers. But the, the headline reads, Texas, uh, Texas's largest hospital reaches 100% ICU capacity. The implications of this being... It, that it's because of COVID. And this was a Newsweek article, okay? And remember, something like 80% of people only read the headlines of articles, okay? And 60% and of people will share articles without even reading them. So don't think for a second that the people at these editors at these, uh, you know, at Newsweek and all these um, newspapers and magazines and everything, don't think for a second that they don't know these numbers, Okay, but if you were to read for two seconds, you click on that link and you actually read the second paragraph, which is not even really a paragraph. It's like, you know, two or three sentences in, they have a paragraph break. Okay, you find out that only 28% of the ICU capacity in the Texas's largest hospital was being used for COVID patients. The vast majority, the other 72%, were in the ICU for other things for other ailments. This is what we're dealing with here. This, this is propaganda. And it's gotten so bad that the leaders of four major hospitals in Houston had to hold like a joint press conference to clarify that this is all just a bunch of bullshit. That in fact, the, the spike in Texas and the number of cases in Texas was not due to some resurgence of the virus, but to the hospital practices of COVID testing every patient coming in for any procedure at all. If it's a positive test, well, then it gets, count, it gets counted as a COVID hospitalization, even though you could be in there for like a, a broken leg or something. And of course, why would hospitals be uh, so dishonest? Because there's billions of appropriated federal dollars being funneled to these facilities based on the number of COVID cases. Of course. 
Of course. You, you always get more of what you subsidize. And if you're going to subsidize COVID cases, lo and behold, you're going to get thousands of more COVID cases. That, to me, is probably one of the most likely explanations for this surge in cases. But like I said, forget about the cases. Who cares? Are, are people being hospitalized? Are people dying? No. Uh, deaths are on the decline. They are declining at, even as these cases surge. So this is a non-issue. This is just like well, people got sick and then they got better. Or, or, or you know, people didn't even know that they had it, but they tested for antibodies. Like I talked about the, the two different kinds of tests on the last episode. This is a non-issue. This is propaganda. We need to resist this and we need to defend our liberty and we need to call them out for moving these goalposts from deaths to cases because this is a bunch of nonsense. Anyway, I am way over time. I am going to wrap there. Do me a favor. If you like today's episode, share it with somebody that you think uh, might like it. Chances are if you got value out of today's show, you know somebody else who would get value out of it. So share the show with somebody you think would like it. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you'd like to go above and beyond the call of duty and support the show monetarily, you can do that by going to pedalingfictionpodcast.com. Don't forget to sub subscribe to the YouTube channel too. And uh, you, you'll get some more good content coming out of there. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back on Friday with a brand new episode for you. Until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.